Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Welcome to uh, Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson. Always a delight when we have a time to spend together with our good friend, Joel Block. He's a financial expert, venture capitalist, founder of Bullseye Cap. And you can go to joelblock.com. That's his website. There's a picture of the landing page there. Very resourceful. And by the way, I would suggest uh, that you get on his mailing list because every once in a while he puts something out that's pretty interesting. Check it out. That's joelblock.com. Hey, Joel, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Perry. How are you this morning? Well, you know, I'm where I am always with you. <laughs> you know what? We, uh, we do okay. <laughs> I'm trying to figure. Uh, the, the market's through the roof today, and I haven't got a foggiest idea why, and everybody's on strike. What's you Joel's know, the media take? is telling us that uh, things are not going well, and the market is uh, just a couple points off its all-time high. So... Uh, we're getting a couple mixed messages, aren't we? Boy, are we ever. What, what's the deal? What's, what, uh, what's the 30,000-foot Joel Block view? Well, in, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot of what the Fed has done has really not solved the problem. They may have masked the problem for a little while. Uh, the, the concept of recession, they're taking credit for a soft landing. I think they're kind of more lucky than they are smart, which I guess in life is not a bad thing. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, we still have some fundamental problems. The uh, the issues are that prices have gone higher. Labor is now asking for more money. And when labor asks for more money and we give it to them, uh, that causes inflation probably more than just about anything. So, listen, gas prices are about to go higher. I mean, other things are starting to go back higher. But labor is really one of the big issues. So we got a big strike going on. You know, it's not just necessarily impacting Hollywood. Um, our industry, the broadcast industry, is being impacted by this. Doesn't seem to be any resolve on the table shortly. Uh, how, how impacting could this possibly be? Well, you know, this, this is an interesting one because it, um, this has far-reaching implications. I think people aren't really paying a lot of attention to, you know, what the possibilities are. But in my view, uh, what's happening in Hollywood is really all about the writers not understanding the new business model that they're facing. Uh, they understand that they're streaming. They understand that there's been a lot of uh, change in the way that that industry runs. But I think they're trying really hard to hold on to a business model that was developed in the 60s and 70s. And that model is gone and they don't know it yet. And I think they're in for some uh, some real hurt here coming up pretty quick. There's another thing that popped up the other day that's really interesting on this writer's strike, and that is <clears throat> Disney's actually interviewing people who are AI savvy. And I, I can't help but think that would be a real threat to uh, this union. What, what you're thinking? You know, I, I think that um, AI, listen, AI is extraordinary, and we're at the very infancy of AI, just like 1995 was the beginning of the Internet. It's taken 20 or 30 years to get great. Uh, and, and now, you know, at least to get where it is, whether it's great or not. And AI is going to do the same thing, although it's going to happen a lot faster because computers are programming themselves. And when computers program themselves without the interference of people, uh, they go a lot faster, 10, 20, 50, 100 times faster than people can do uh, many of the same things. Although I've talked to some programmers and they tell me that uh, their jobs are safe because computers can only do a little bit of it. And that will improve over time, don't forget. But here's what I really see about the writer strike in particular. 
Um, a lot of the studios are now run by tech companies. Uh, MGM was bought by Amazon, some of these other companies. Netflix has become one of the biggest studios in the world. So the traditional studios like Disney, like Paramount, uh, you know, Comcast, some of these big companies, uh, the influence of the tech world is very different. You know, in the old days, the studios were, they had friendly competition. They, they were friendly to one another. Uh, the tech companies are not friendly. The tech companies, uh, they hate each other and they, they will try to kill each other under any circumstance. So if one company thinks that this strike is uh, bad for another company, they may just keep going just to let the other company suffer. I mean, it's really not about the workers. And there's a couple other issues. Uh, you know, the writers are used to getting residuals, which means that uh, if the studio made some money in the future, then the writer would get a little piece of the action. And that's probably fair. It certainly was fair back then. But tech companies don't work that way. Tech companies don't give employees a piece of the action or uh, software contractors who write their code, they don't give them a piece of the action of what happens in the future. What they do give them is stock options. And they say, listen, if the whole company does well, you can have a piece of that. But we're not going to give you part of the revenue streams off the top. And and I have a feeling that that may be where it goes. There's one of a couple things are going to happen. Uh, one, uh, the great writers are going to call the shots, uh, the people that are producing the great shows. Uh, they're going to be able to write their own ticket and all the little guys are going to go away or uh, everybody's going to say, well, how about if we just get a little stock option action, uh, you know, for some time in the future and they renegotiate their hourly rate or, you know, whatever they do. But uh, I think a lot of industries are going to have to relook at their business models and what the unions accomplished for them 50 or 60 years ago may be antiquated uh, and may not work in the new world. And, and all these things factor together. I think every business who listens to your show, Perry, needs to think, am I dealing with the world the way the world works now? And if you're not working the way the world works now, then you need to rethink your business. I can't disagree with that at all. I think you're spot on. You know, what's interesting about that, this, this uh, writer strike now going on uh, into past 100 days. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not something that they thought they could do and get their way and move on. This thing can drag on for a while. And there's another part of the equation, uh, Joel, and that is more and more companies are leaving Hollywood and going independent. Some of the most impacting films in the theater today are made outside of Hollywood. And they don't need these writers and these unions to do something and to produce something. So to your point, the business model is changing right in front of them. It's changing right under their feet. And, and it's really, uh, really problematic. And if they're not paying attention to it, uh, which we don't know if they are or not. We don't know what's happening in those uh, negotiating rooms, although it seems like not much. The studios don't want to come to the table. Here's another thing, Perry. You know, the cable companies, when everything was produced for television, the cable companies, for example, in the world of sports, they would pay uh, billions of dollars for certain kinds of rights. Uh, streaming is not doing the same thing. It's not working exactly the same way. The sports industry is going to have the same problem here in the next couple of years as these uh, contracts start to run out. The ball players have gotten used to getting paid enormous amounts of money, but if they're not getting the same numbers of dollars from the sponsors, uh, then a lot of those lucrative contracts are going to have to be dialed back. And and I, just the economics have changed. Uh, you know, the uh, the studios are not as lucrative as they were at one time, and there's just not as much money to go around. Uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't enough money to pay the writers and pay them a fair wage. But uh, I think they're going to have to get paid in a different way, and I don't know what they're open to. 
But so far, it doesn't sound like it's going very well. Well, I guess we'll have to wait until the uh, cage fight between Zuckerberg and Musk takes place and see who the winner is, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. We're going to have to wait and see. It's, uh, you know, I was in uh, Lake Tahoe this weekend and uh, Mark Zuckerberg flew in on a helicopter and he bought five giant pieces of land. And, you know, there's this uh, billionaire's alley out there and they've got... Uh, all these uh, all these guys which one house is bigger than the next it's just quite amazing yeah so I want to come back to another economic phenomenon we're watching big companies lose billions of dollars and I can't help but think that this can't be just looked at as a wink in fact uh, I read an article earlier this morning where the stockholders of Target are going to sue the company for misrepresentation of what they thought the impact was going to be by going woke. Uh, when you have Bush losing billions, uh, Disney losing billions, you got Target losing billions, and you can go on down the list. This is serious money. What's it going to do to the financial investment industry? How does a financial advisor uh, help a client not get involved in a company that's going to lose them money? Well, you know, financial advisors are not in the business of picking companies. They're in the business of uh, building portfolios that, uh, you know, hedge against risk by diversifying clients into market baskets of stocks, mm -hmm. uh, a lot like the Dow is or the S&P is. And, and that's going to probably have to happen more and more. Uh, companies are having all kinds of problems on the on the heels of the affirmative action and news. Mm. Uh, conservative groups now are pressing uh directors and governors of companies uh, that they're going to be held personally responsible if they don't abandon some of these programs. I mean, so there's there's a lot of threat on every different side. Everywhere you go, uh, companies are struggling with a lot of brand new issues. And uh, I don't think the government is doing a great job of supporting them. So I, I think that some of these issues, uh, they will work themselves out. But the economy has changed. It continues to change. I believe that the pace of change is going to escalate uh, because of AI. Uh, you know, over the last 10 or 15 years, the pace of change has really moved faster. Uh, the adoption, uh, you know, it took, uh, what did it take, uh, you know, 10 years or something for a million people or a couple million people or several million people to watch TV and then listen to radio. And then it got less and less and less until finally uh, this uh, chat GPT deal it uh, took something like five days to get to 100 million. Uh, I, I don't think that number is exactly right, but I think it was inside of a month. And it uh, it's quite extraordinary that the pace of change has really changed. The ability for us to communicate, move information around, and do things, and it's going to continue to get faster. Well, um, we talk a lot about inflation. Um, the numbers is this thing out there that, you know, government says inflation is this number. Reality says inflation is this number. But there's another term on the table, deflation, which supposedly China is suffering from. What is deflation? China is suffering because their economy is shrinking. Uh, you know, our, can our economy has, has expanded. Their economy is starting to shrink. Uh, my my uh, expectation is that uh, there's a lot of decoupling. There, there is a whole movement about decoupling from China. And uh, that movement, I don't know that it's been effective or not, but I think their exports are way down. Uh, young people are having trouble getting jobs in China. You know, families who mostly have only one child because that's their policy, uh, save and scrimp for kids to go to college and learn how to be engineers and educated people. And they come out of college and there are no jobs. 
So China's uh, really dealing with a world of hurt. Apparently, uh, their leadership has, uh, you know, really not set them up for great success in the last uh, handful of years. And, you know, since the pandemic, they really have not recovered. Yeah. So they're in a deflation mode. We're in an inflation mode. Um, where do you think inflation is going in, in the USA? Do you think that? I, I think it's going to continue. I think that it's, uh, although it right now is sitting in the threes, the three and a half percent, you know, something like that. Uh, I think it's going to rear its ugly head again. I really believe that although uh, they've really, you know, kind of taken the life out of a lot of parts of the economy, uh, the supply chain issues are mostly fixed. I mean, that ripple has kind of worked its way out of the economy. So the supply and demand issues, not so much a problem anymore. But, uh, you know, families are paying uh, something like seven or $800 a month more just for the same basics that they had before. And a family that lives on a relatively fixed income, you know, a couple salaries or whatever it is, uh, can't absorb an extra seven or $800. The other thing is that uh, credit cards are uh, largely maxed out. They're sitting at uh, close to a trillion dollars. I think that has a lot to do with our inflation, too, is that the government gave out all that money during the pandemic. A lot of people used that money to pay down their credit cards. And then people went on buying sprees and have pumped their credit cards back up. And that caused a lot of the escalation in our economy. So I think it's going to come back for some different reasons. And the reasons are that employees are looking for uh, additional wage increases. Uh, I think gasoline prices and commodity prices are going to be uh, on the rise because there's uh, just an awful lot of uh, instability in the world with Russia and a lot of the other issues that are happening in our world. Uh, you know, there's a lot of countries that don't like the United States very much anymore, and uh, and they're going to do what they can to cause them instability. So I just think that there's some problems. Things are not going to go smooth here for the next little while. Okay, uh, and then lastly, uh, the ringing of the bell this morning, the, the Dow came out over 400 points. Uh, it, as I'm talking to you, it's still at 272 points up. Given everything we're talking about, what's driving this? You know, uh, it's very difficult. The Dow is a collection of, of many stocks. It's difficult to know what everybody's thinking about the basket. But the truth is that uh, they're making more money by putting their money in stocks uh, than anywhere else. And so the people that are moving the money are thinking about where's the best place to put the money, where can they maximize their returns. And right now it's still in the stock market. And until something changes, uh, they believe it's uh, it's going pretty well. The Dow has been pretty resistant to inflation. It's been pretty, in, uh, pretty uh, insulated from all what the Fed has done. I mean, there's a handful of stocks that have taken a hit, but uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the country is still innovating, the country's still growing, the country's still hiring, and things are still going okay. People are still buying. The recession would be if people stop buying. And that doesn't seem to be uh, what's happening. People are still buying, people are still feeling okay. Uh, there may be a little bit of hesitation, but for the most part, most people are still feeling pretty good. And unless the media uh, really turns that around on us and, and makes people start feeling uncomfortable, uh, that's kind of where we are right now. And the markets are reflecting that. Uh, we're, again, uh, over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Do, do you see that crashing? Can people just walk away from this? Say, I can't do this anymore. I don't care what well, it costs yes, me. They, I'm they done. Can, they can. They can. They can't walk away from student loan debt, but they can walk away from credit card debt, uh, you know, not without some substantial penalties. But uh, right now, people aren't buying new homes anyway. People aren't really moving around that much. Uh, they are back to buying cars. So people are, uh, you know, people are 
people are not behaving the way the Fed expects. And that really goes back to another premise that we talked about earlier in the year in our trend report is that economists really are not scientists, they're artists, and they're doing their best to to guess and make educated guesses, but they don't exactly know. Uh, the Fed is full of bankers and economists. They don't exactly know, and people are just not behaving the way that they expect. <laughs> well, that's why we have coffee and donuts, right? <laughs> hey, listen, you and I don't expect as everybody expects. We don't act the way everybody expects either, do we? <laughs> no. No, we work for a living, Joel. You and I work for a living. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, folks, check out his website, joelblock.com, and uh, subscribe to uh, a lot of his offerings there. Check it out, joelblock.com. Thank you, Brother Joel. Good to see you, friend. Have a great day. Gary, be well, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.